today on CityCast Salt Lake, multi-stall, all-gender public restrooms. They're the future. Salt Lake Community College students have been protesting in an effort to get one in a new building, and the U is just about to unveil a new one. U of U professor emeritus Terry Kogan is the co-founder of Stalled, a design project to make going to the bathroom safer and more inclusive in public spaces. It's Tuesday, May 10th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Professor Kogan, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Good to be here. It's great to have you here. I have so many questions for you about bathrooms, but my first one is, I think, simple and probably also not so simple, which is, why do we have men's and women's bathrooms in the first place? So the history of uh, sex-separated bathrooms can actually be traced to the beginning of the 19th century. Okay. And at roughly that time, there had developed, because of the Industrial Revolution, a division between the public realm and the private realm. Men went, left the home to work in factories. Women in general stayed at home to tend the hearth fires and raise their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was part of the ethos of much of the 19th century. Mm. The problem was that this division was actually a myth that women Mm. were in fact entering the public realm in jobs and as the century went on in uh, service societies and ultimately as consumers in a Mm -hmm. very burgeoning American economy. So what ended up happening is as women entered the public realm, there was a need to reconcile women's presence in public with this deeply held ethos that women should be in the home. And Mm. what architects started doing was to create in public buildings, women's parlor spaces that were for the exclusive use of women. So Mm. the idea would be when a woman was out in public, nonetheless, she could remain protected in a polar space in public buildings. The very first woman's restroom actually occurred in the early 1810s on steamships, which had become a common form of transportation. And steamships often would do overnight cruises. So the earliest sex-separated restrooms in the United States grew out of this ideology, which was known as the separate spheres ideology, that when women entered the public realm, they needed to be protected by separate spaces. If we fast forward in that history to this moment that we're in right now, where these gendered restrooms have become so politicized. It does feel like hearing that as sort of the origin story. Those are still the arguments that we hear about the need for women-only restrooms is that 
it has to do with safety or security or for whatever reason. Um, how would you characterize the current politicization of, of the, the, rest, the restroom? I believe that the current politicalization has little to do with issues of privacy or issues of safety, but the uh, turmoil, controversy in the news today really does deal, I believe, with trying to, in effect, bring forward this early 19th century vision that women need to be protected, that women mm -hmm. are the weaker sex uh, and are in a position that when they come into public buildings, into the public realm, they continue uh, to need special protections. This notion of a need for separation is based on an old, old myth about the mm. relative competence, the relative strength, the relative um, vision of what women were compared to men. I believe that the current controversy is very much based in a 200-year-old sexist vision of how women fit into American society. I mean, the, the gender-neutral or genderless restroom has been around for a long time. I mean, if you get on an airplane, it's like, you know, that's everybody's restroom. We all line up in the aisle. Right. But the... The multi-stall gender-neutral restroom feels fairly like a fairly new idea, a fairly new phenomenon. And the reason we're talking about this today is that there are students at Slick at Sully Community College that have been advocating for a multi-stall gender-neutral restroom in the brand new Applied Technology Building. And that proposal has now been taken off the table for reasons that I think we might get into. But I get that the big difference between a single gender-neutral restroom and a multi-stall gender-neutral restroom is, of course, the stalls. But aside from that, like, what else is there? What, what else, what other value is there? Okay, so to reiterate, in a sense, what you suggested, the single-user restroom is a no-brainer, right? right? I mean, what happens in a single-user restroom is right. virtually identical for men and women. So mm -hmm. the International Plumbing Code, which governs Utah, was actually mm -hmm. changed in 2016 to basically say that a single-user restrooms can no longer be gender-designated, gender-separated. So what is different about multi-user restrooms? The arguments are based on notions of safety and privacy, um, mm -hmm. that somehow uh, women and young girls will be safer in a gender-designated woman's restroom than in a multi-user restroom, um, mm -hmm. that somehow women and girls will have more privacy in such restrooms. And I think that studies and writings over the last decade or so have shown that both of those are myths. 
A famous instance of this was in Houston about 12 years ago, where someone in the Houston City Council was advocating mm -hmm. for all gender multi-use restrooms. And it was put on the ballot and the response to it were these television ads showing men hiding in a stall in a multi-user restroom, um, ready to attack young girls who walked into the multi-user restroom. Uh, hmm. That's the vision. In fact, that vision is profoundly false. It is based on the idea that sexual predators respect the sign that says women's restroom. That is, right. if you have a multi-user restroom, they will attack people. But if there's a woman's restroom, they will say, oh, no, I'm not allowed in there. And that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. That someone who is hell-bent on attacking a woman or a young girl has no qualms about walking into a women's restroom and hiding in a stall or whatever. The great advantage in terms of safety of multi-user restrooms is that there are more eyes on the street, uh, hmm. that there are both men and women present um, yeah. who can police the space from sexual predators in a way that single-user women's restrooms do not provide. Um, hmm. But this gets into other important issues which relate to the ways that all gender multi-user restrooms are configured. Um, if you look at the website of the Stall Project, mm -hmm. which is a project that I helped to start around six or seven years ago, um, which has advocated for all gender multi-user restrooms, mm -hmm. there are any number of proposed architectural configurations for these new restrooms, among which are that we no longer have floor-to-ceiling doors to get into the restroom. The one that has gotten the most attention is a proposed restroom for an airport uh, okay. terminal. And that proposal has no doors walking into the restroom. It's an all-gender, multi-user restroom. You walk along a corridor, and there it is. It is separated into different mm. zones. So the first thing you see are sort of mirrors and a, a grooming zone and a possibly seats for resting. The next okay. zone, where you have to walk deeper into the space, is a washing zone. And then finally, the last zone are floor-to-ceiling toilet stalls where there are no sight gaps to be able to look in. Um, and there are any number of other features, though that is far more elaborate than what would be set up at Salt Lake Community College or at the University mm -hmm. of Utah, where there is one all-gender multi-user multi restroom under construction and another mm -hmm. one that will begin construction in the not-too-distant future at the Marriott Library. Okay. The proposal 
calls for two important things. One, you get rid of urines, which have been a really uh, difficult problem in creating gender equity in a mm -hmm. restroom. And secondly, that you have substantial stalls, not the flimsy stalls that you find in most restrooms today, but mm -hmm. stalls with floor to ceiling doors um, mm -hmm. that are individually vented, that have mirrors on the inside for grooming or privacy purposes. And that configuration <laughs> seems to address problems not only of safety because of more eyes on the street, but mm -hmm. of privacy. It gives mm -hmm. you far more privacy than a woman would have in a woman's restroom or a man would have in a man's restroom or at a urine. So mm -hmm. the two major concerns are addressed by current proposals for all gender multi-user restrooms. Yeah, I mean, it just sounds like good design. It sounds lovely, frankly. Well, the University of Utah and the student union on the fourth floor is about to open one of the first all-gender multi-user restrooms in the state. Mm. And the design is amazing. That, that ticks all the boxes. That answers mm. all concerns that might be raised about all-gender multi-user restrooms. So you think the kind of socialization that happens right now in restrooms, that there would still be space for that in a, in a multi-stall, multi-gender or genderless restroom because there's just, there just is physically more space. Like there are, might be benches or whatever, like it would feel like more of a room and less of a kind of a utility closet. So in the airport terminal proposed restroom, there are benches and comfortable places to sit. There mm -hmm. actually are places where you can walk along the outer wall where the grooming mm -hmm. stations are. There are mm -hmm. two spaces where you can go in and sit and close a curtain. Mm -hmm. For if, say, you just need some private time, right? Mm -hmm. Or you want to talk to someone, right? Mm -hmm. So um, within the University of Utah restroom, there is a family restroom, which is mm -hmm. also available for people with disabilities. And if someone really needs some, you know, time to sit with someone, you could mm -hmm. use the family restroom for that purpose. If you think about it, there will be a new kind of socialization, a new kind of awareness raising when it becomes commonplace that you are using the space with all kinds of people, not just with mm -hmm. males, but with, you know, people who may appear non-binary, who, mm -hmm. who knows how they self-identify, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the tapestry of people. I mean, if you go to the University of Utah today, there is a wonderful range of appearances of people having mm -hmm. no idea what their gender identities um, mm -hmm. that challenge traditional visions of how men should be appointed and how women should be appointed. So mm -hmm. given that, I think there is a terrific possibility for awareness raising, for socialization of the amazing diversity of people uh, who are in our society. 
And then to go back to basics, it is clear that one of the important motivations behind Stahl's uh, organization six, seven years ago was to provide a space that would be comfortable for gender non-conforming, for non-binary, for transgender people. But we soon realize that all gender restrooms are also very important for parents who are attending opposite sex kids, mm -hmm. for persons with disabilities who may need the help of an opposite gender a spouse or caretaker. Um, a restroom that is open to everyone causes no questions about whether someone who is in there belongs in there. Hmm. In contrast, mm -hmm. sex-separated restrooms have been shown in studies over the last now 15, 20 years when this issue became uh, alive uh, mm -hmm. that transgender people, in particular transgender Black women, report being either verbally or physically assaulted when they use a women's restroom. There is no comfortable space for many people in the world of sex-separated restrooms by gender to do what is perhaps the most basic human function that we do on a daily basis. And there's something wrong about a society that um, allows that kind of discrimination, that disrespect for diversity to continue. You mentioned that the Utah Plumbing Code has done away with gendered single stall restrooms. Right. As I understand what you're saying, it's now required that all single stall restrooms are gender neutral. Where does the Utah Plumbing Code stand on multi-stall gender neutral restrooms? Like where are we in that transition phase? A very, very important question. The International Plumbing Code is promulgated by the building profession, municipal officials, lawyers, hundreds and hundreds of people work on putting out this code. Amendments are made to it every three years. But mm. just because the International Plumbing Code makes changes, the Plumbing Code does not become effective in states or in municipalities until the legislative body in that state or that municipality adopts the changes. At this point, Utah has not yet adopted the changes that allow in the International Plumbing Code for all gender multi-use arrests. Mm. There is a section of the code that allows exceptions. And the code compliance officer at the University of Utah has decided in light mm. of the university's strong commitment to a non-discrimination policy that all gender multi-use restrooms can be an exception to the requirement of the code because of the health, safety, and welfare of faculty, staff, and students. Hmm. It's interesting because I read in 
the um, Salt Lake Community College Globe that the reason that they gave for removing this proposal for an all gender multi stall bathroom from the basically pulled it off the table was that, you know, they basically blamed the code. They said because of the code, this is not something that we're able to implement. Right. But they in theory, what you're saying is they could have sought an exception That's via the exactly compliance right. officer. Which is what the University of Utah did. Hmm. So if Salt Lake Community College wanted to, they could seek an exception from the code compliance officer who governs uh, the community college. Hmm. Professor Kogan, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. One more thing before we go, and this is just a quick PSA. Salt Lake County wants to microchip your dog for free. There's nothing better than bringing your pet home after they've been on a solo adventure. And a microchip can make sure that happens. It's a super easy procedure and all pets, dogs, cats, and otherwise can receive a free microchip and a lifetime registration with the county. They're holding an event this Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at 511 West 39th South in Salt Lake City. No need to RSVP. You can walk right in. But if you've got questions, you can email animal at slco.org. That's our show today on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around this city. Bye.